Hello, everybody. Four Blades in a Pub here. And uh, we thought we'd get together and talk about Sheffield United. I'm John, and I'm joined by Dan. Good evening, everyone. And Phil. Good evening. Doing the cutest little smile, Phil, then, for those of you listening. <laughs> so, so cute and adorable. Sweet and innocent, mate. <laughs> and uh, Ian joins us from a hotel room in Oxford. So, good evening, mate. Uh, good evening from Oxford. Have you been down the Have you been down the Kazam? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. It, that sounds that sounds worse than what it is. I had to think for a minute. Then, uh, <laughs> no, I've not been. I'm near, I'm close to the Kazam. I think in this hotel, but no, uh, there's no football nearby tonight. Yeah, well, um, so Spurs on Saturday, I went and. I found the entire experience one of the most exhausting afternoons of my entire life. Watching us defend heroically, maybe at times, via the means of time wasting, certainly. But ultimately, we ended up losing a game. And I suppose if there was any sort of positive thing, that Brennan Johnson wasn't the one to score the winner. But <laughs> Jesus, it was... I just said before we came on, it felt to me like one of the biggest like kicks in the gut ever. And when we were down on the floor, the McBurney sending off was like getting volleyed in the side of the head. Um, I just think it was it was. I was just devastated. And it's another game where, in a different universe, we would have got something out of. And that last season. And not just last season in the Championship, last season in the Premier League, we would have won it um, because there would be no way there'd be that much time added on. So, Phil, you watched it as well. Did you find it, like me, just really hard to watch and tiring the way like you'd be clock-watching? And obviously, it's obviously a bit different in the ground, but like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it obviously, it's, it's so much harder looking back, thinking about how it was to watch, knowing that we lost the game. If... If at five o'clock the whistle went and we'd have won the game, I'd have probably gone, well, that was a bit nerve-wracking, but God, I enjoyed that. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm. But, and uh, Listen, I think that there can't be any Sheffield United fans that aren't disappointed or weren't disappointed on Saturday evening, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and pick a couple of positives out or a few positives out because I think it is worth talking about some of the positives so far, not just from the game, but from the season. I thought Robinson was excellent again. I thought some of his defending and, and we did defend for his lives. And I think it was um, a lot of that defending by, for the lives was led by him. I thought, I thought Robinson, like I said, uh, so again, I thought he was outstanding. I was really impressed with Luke Thomas. Thomas was the looks, man of the match. I thought he was yeah. brilliant. I thought he looked like a real positive in, in terms of we've struggled obviously in that position so far this season. I thought he looked a real positive. I thought Fodderingham again pulled off some really good saves and proves he can play at this level. Um, McBurney again, outstanding. Harmer clearly can score goals, sometimes out of nothing. Souza again puts himself about. So I, I could list quite a few positives out of the game, but ultimately you can't look at back, look back on it without being extremely disappointed and no matter how hard we defended and how well we defended, we did waste time. And if we're not going to be able to waste the time the way that teams have done to us, as we've seen when we've been 
a top team in the, the top sort of fish in the pond that we've been playing in, we're going to struggle like this all season. Yeah, I kind of agree. All, I agree with all of that. Um, the thing with the time wasting, though, it's you know the reason it'll go on to be something that really grinds me gears. Like all these new directives every season, they won't be playing 12, 15 minutes, even by like December. It'll get slowly scaled back. And oh, we've considered what people have said and things like that. It's nonsense. And the McBurney red card, McBurney, you don't know, he might call the ref as fucking see you next Tuesday or whatever he said to explain it. But he got wrestled to the ground and then gets a second yellow. What's he meant to do? Just show no passion in that in that moment. Just ridiculous. And I think Heckingbottom's right. Like, I'm not so I don't necessarily buy the excuse of the way we'd practiced in the week. I think that you could make an, an example, uh, not an example, you can make a claim that like that was a bit too drawn out. Uh, like and a bit like, come on, Paul. But the like the referee. I think there was I think there was something like was it like 13 yellow cards in the game which tells you everything you need to know about how he refereed it. I they think had, there was four I think there was 14. So they had go. six we had eight. He's he's lost control of the game completely allowing Madison to just chirp at him constantly. Now I expect that with like some elite players but like just yeah, I don't know. It just it really it really stung, and for the time wasting, I think it'd be fair to say United took it a bit too far. I don't think we did. I genuinely don't think we did. Yes, we wasted time, but I don't think we were taking a piss. Three players went down with cramp. All mm. three came off as a result of that cramp. That's not taking a piss. We wouldn't have changed our shape and changed our formation for the point of time wasting. They got cramp. And Madison being a little dick like he was at the end, showing off, making out he'd got cramp after they'd scored the second, just shows what a little prick he is. I, I really bumped. hope Robinson fucking shatters his pelvis in return game. Pelvis? Yeah. That, that's proper going in high. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope he fucking destroys him. It's, well, fuck it, we'll, be, we'll probably be relegated by then, so fuck it, let's, let's go down swinging. Well... Well, yeah, he's, he just, I don't know, it really, it, it's been a while, we've had time to sleep on it a few nights, but like, yeah, just an absolute sort of, it just, it, it just felt like, and like I say, another game where you're like, so like after the Everton game, really should have won that with that chance, and another day that goes in, on another day we get something from the Spurs game, you know, against City, we might have got something. If you take any a big, if you talk about a general positive, which obviously happened after the get, well, from Saturday, and we're not like we're not getting rolled over, and we're in games till the end, but we're not we're creating chances as well. That's the yeah. that's another positive. I think that the, in every game we've created something. Yeah, City they had the ball for what seventy five of the hundred minutes or so that we played, but. We still created against them, and we created after they'd scored their second. We could have been two 0 up at half time. McAtee probably should have done a little bit better, and McBurney definitely should have done with that header. Yeah, the header was went straight to can't pronounce the keeper's pronounce the keeper's name, but yeah, 
Makat- I think McAtee definitely like that chance. I don't know. He, he, he probably, if you're going to defend him, maybe didn't know he had as much time as he did. If it comes on his left foot, I think he scores. Yeah. But I thought McAtee, it was interesting McAtee starting because I think I'd said at half-time that we needed to get Norwood, <clears throat> Norwood on to try and get some rhythm when we had the ball. Because obviously it was like another midfield combination playing together for the first time. But just so disappointing. McAtee's an interesting one, actually. I think it's worth talking about. So, clearly, the kid's a talented, talented footballer. Are we going to see the best of him this season? Because we're not going to have the ball as much. We're not going to be as ta- attacking as much. And we need we need people that can be as good without the ball as with it. And McAtee's got a lot to learn in that respect. I'm not criticising him at all. It's just that the player he is and where the way he influences a game, he's going to have to change his game considerably for him to be as big an impact as last year. Which is why he's here, let's be honest. But but does does that? I, I get what you're saying because we are good, like you say, we're going to have to defend and 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 win the ball. I suppose having Hamer and McAtee in, in two quite attacking midfielders, Hamer's mm-hmm. got that work rate and effort to do that. And I, I agree. Last season, he, he, we we got away with it. We probably need more of McAtee this season. But does Hamer and Simmons give us that option of? Two people breaking it up and giving it to McAtee to go and launch forward. I don't mm. know. McAtee's a decent ball carrier, isn't he? So if we're trying to, which we're going to have to, we're going to score, if we're looking to score goals, a lot of them are going to be on the break. You need someone who can carry the ball 30, 40, 50 yards up the pitch on the break and he's he's reasonably quick with the ball at his feet. I'm, I'm guessing that will more be his role. Yeah. And I, I mean, be very interesting on Sunday what they do in light of McBurney's suspension, whether they try him in a really much more advanced position, almost like getting close to Archer to, to try and thread the needle a little bit, like playing really as a 10. with like I, a I would imagine another midfielder comes in and he probably pushes, like you said, pushes a bit further up the pitch. Yeah, but I think, Phil, like when you say see the best, I don't know, We I think he has... To, He's going to, if we're going to be successful, he's going to have to be involved quite a lot. And I imagine games where we we win or get stuff from the game, a lot of the time he will have been the driving force behind that. Um, just because I think, like, we talked about needing something from nothing, didn't we, uh, towards the end of the window, and he does give us that. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think we're, we're almost... After the Everton game, you're like, oh, that looks quite a decent side, quite balanced. And obviously, international break. We're starting the game at Spurs with a brand new back five again. Bogle coming in for his first start in what seems like forever. Egan not playing, which unless he's suspended, never happens. And it was like, it just, I don't know. There was a lot of contributing factors and McAtee was one of them, but like, I think we probably will move to a way of playing where we have one team that's set up to do that sort of compact defence, grab one if you're lucky job. And then we might have one that's maybe a bit more bit more fluid, one that we're going to have a lot more of the ball in. So you get the players with like your Hamer and Sousa with their legs around Norwood to give him the ability to dictate a little bit. 
I don't know. I think I think the person who also doesn't fully know will be Hackingbottom, unfortunately, because we've said long, I'm fed up of saying it, but the players have come in too late. So we're we're instantly sort of pushing pushing uphill as a result of that. But yeah, I think yeah, throwing throwing injuries, suspensions and everything else into that mix as well. Like you say, starting without Egan and even without Egan, I mean so even with Egan. The one thing that bothers me most at the minute is the way we're conceding from crosses and set plays, set pieces. Mm. And then people might say, yeah, it's the quality the quality's better of delivery in the in the Premier League, the movement's better. But that was actually one thing that didn't worry me coming into this season. And yet, you know. Do you know just... something I was thinking about with that, Ian? I, I, yeah. I don't think, I've not seen it mentioned anywhere yet. We brought a defensive coach in this summer. Yeah. Yes. Hudson. I should have yeah. asked the question. It might have been on Nathan Hemingham's chat last week, even before Tottenham. Saying, so, you know, is it is it Hudson we brought in, Mark Hudson? Mark Hudson, yeah. yeah. Mr. Hudson. Hudson. Yeah, what what's Hudson's role in this? You know, what what's he doing with them? Because we look we look frail where actually yeah, and I know it's the championship, but again, the way the goals we're conceding are very similar a lot of them. Yeah. Well, uh, Basham gets Basham is knackered and just like Yeah, I'm going to say I mean it, it's a soft goal to concede but I'm assuming that's just down to physical and mental tiredness having been defending for your life for like a week and a half or yeah. whatever he played on Saturday. <laughs> defending for a year. Yeah, he I thought Bash did really well. There were certain moments of the game where he found himself in possession of the football, which is usually where the problems begin. But the actual defensive stuff, apart from for the first goal, I thought he had a. I thought he was pretty darn good, to be honest. Um, but I, I was just, I was just so devastated at the final whistle, and I've never seen so many overweight middle-aged men in replica shirts with random players on the back. Like a fat bloke in like a really small shirt with like Basuma on his back. Some fat. He was sat right near the away fans, giving us biggins as well. Like bloke in his like sixties on like walking. Christopher Biggins. Sorry, bad line. Yeah, it it really pissed me off. I think Dan's comments were like, "Get them all in the European Super League and let them burn to the fucking ground. Get shut of them yeah. all." The thing, the thing is, the the. the... So many of these fans now they've just they've just turned into like entitled elitist pricks, basically. You know the amount of comments that I saw over weekend that were like, Well, you shouldn't play like that, just just play football. Like we should just turn up with like a really open four four two. And have a go. Yeah, have a go. But you know, thank you, sir, for the six nil beating and and, and fuck off. It's, they, it's ridiculous. They've got no concept of what it's like to to support a club of this size and just and not be able to not have like unlimited fucking riches. It's just it makes me it, it makes me fucking sick to be honest. It's, it's really not. It's really doing nothing for my love of football at the minute. No, I'm not. I'm not. It's easy to say when we're sat around one point and won a game yet, but I'm not enjoying this Premier League at all. It feels so much different to last time we were here. That what you've just talked about, Dan, feels 10 times worse than the last time we were here under Wilder. Yeah. I mean, football Twitter is the absolute cesspit 
an absolute cesspit at the best of times. But the fact that like, but it's not just football Twitter; it's it's pundits. Oh, there's lots of pundits. You know, I've I've, I've actually it's pundits and journalists. I, I heard one journalist this week. I can't remember what was described describe how we played on Saturday as a disgrace. Sheffield United were a disgrace, and this is a journalist. And then I heard a couple of I heard a couple of journalists who I normally quite like. One of them was Daniel Story. I can't remember who the other one was. Basically saying that Eckingbottom's rant after the um, after the Eckingbottom's complaints after the match were um, like proper football man bullshit. It, and it's just like everyone's. So I'm surprised at Daniel's story on that. I've not heard him heard, heard that from him. Well, yeah, um, no. quite well balanced. Yeah, well, Jonathan Wilson is a great journalist. And really, yeah, it was Jonathan Wilson that said we were a disgrace. Yeah, Jonathan Wilson described us as being a disgrace. In his defence, he this said, "Well, maybe not a disgrace, but the time wasted throughout." It's like, well, you said it. You said disgrace, but it's like, just—it's just. It's one, just a... Yeah, but one thing I would say about quickly before we forget and we get ranting more about how shit the Premier League is, like, Wes shouldn't be doing that in the first half. Absolutely ridiculous. Where he handles it like that, he's absolutely mad. But anyway, he's just—he's had a brain fart, hasn't he? He's—he's he's gone further than he expected and panicked. And it happens in stupid, that part of the pitch but... to him, doesn't it? It seems to be that. that, that seems to, yeah. Seems to, but it's little things. As as great a shot stopper as he is, and we've talked about it on here before, it's the little things like that where he, why he's probably not elite. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just going back to that thing, it's like you took. I'm going to go on Premier League again, but it, it's the fact that we know Chris Sutton's a twat anyway. So yeah. I can I put him in the same sort of cesspit puddle as Garth Crooks for why are the BBC still paying these people money to offer an opinion to generate calls, listeners, controversy, and to be able to write something on the BBC Sport website it appears, but. In talk sport, I mean, some goon called Majestic giving his opinion on us, a Spurs fan called Majestic. Just a majestically big twat. That's what he was. He's... I've I never was... heard of him. I've not listened to what he said, and I don't give a flying fuck what his opinion is. <laughs> just... Yep, I'm with you. Just... Yeah. Why, why do people get in national microphones? Well, why aren't we? Is the big question. Well, on that basis, yeah. Why aren't we getting national coverage? Oh, right, that's why, because we're fucking heads. <laughs> Same to work for him. But like, honestly, the yeah. It, and this is the thing, though, and it the worst thing I get is on a Monday morning now, and you'll all have this to different levels, Everyone's a fucking expert on what's happened with your team again, aren't they? Because we're in the top. I don't need somebody going like that to me at 8am on a Monday morning. So what on Saturday, John? And I'm just thinking, fucking get out of my way. I'm getting a drink. Like, leave me alone. Like, just just got into work and you're like, you want to have this idle chat because you watched Match of the Day and saw that I was, my team were playing. So you want to talk to me about it. Fuck off. That really pisses me off. I find it exhausting. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm getting I'm getting it. Thankfully, I've got a a Wednesday fan sits behind me. So anything shit wise I get, I just deflect it backwards. 
Well, I've I've got two of my new fans and a forest fan in my in, in my office. So um, yeah, you all have to hold hands, won't you? Sue? Yeah, there's not a lot to crawl about in there. Full <laughs> stop, but, but yeah, I, just it reminds just, me. It reminds me of the Arsenal fan on the Fast Show. Yeah, you know the, the football fan. Yeah. Exactly that. It's like years ago, it might have been the 2002 World Cup. I just started a new job. The boss was this posh boy who hated football, didn't like football at all. Rugger, yeah, he'd talk about rugby. But he started to read the BBC. I shared an office with him for a bit. He, he used to read the BBC Sport website at lunchtime with the review of the World Cup games and start to have comments with me about the matches and the players. It's that, but just magnified yeah. 100%. Or when you go on to see. You get the notification, she's sad, and you've got, like, the Chef United Twitter account. You get, like, a ping on your phone like I have. And you go on, and it's, like, ticket details for Fulham. And when you go on, the first comment is from some fucking Forest fan in Zimbabwe saying, won't sell that out. You're like, what are you fucking doing? Why have you got a notification on our club? Yeah. Why are, you, why are you typing that? Leave us alone. All these, all these kind of plastic, majority of overseas kind of Premier League fanboys, like, you know, Arsenal fanboys and Chelsea fanboys and with fucking stupid fucking names like Havertz, Havoc and stuff like that, talking about it. Just, it fucking, ugh, it, it, it drives me insane. And, and just... What we what we said about on Sunday on Saturday with the with the extra time, it's it's like the taking every last weapon from the small clubs armory. So like when we came up years yeah. ago at under War, under Bassett and even under Warnock, if you were a worse side, if you if you were a low end Premier League side, you could level the playing field somewhat by being physical. You could get in get in teams' faces. You could you could you could tackle hard. You could you could outrun them. You could outfight them. So they took that away. They, they took tackling away. Then they changed it so you can now make five subs instead of three, which for Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea, they're great because they can bring five 40, 50 million pound internationals on. We bring on a, a half decent championship player, a couple of championship players, a couple of average championship players, and, and a couple of children. And then now it's like, again, you used to be able to kill a game off, you used to be able to take the momentum out of the game by delaying at corners and delaying at throw ins and goal kicks. Now they're like, well, you can't do that anymore. And just the I mean, basically, the longer a game goes on, the more the more the better side is likely to win. So that then it takes and it's just like it's it's slowly becoming a closed shop. And the, I know people say they want it to be entertainment, they want it to be a spectacle, but you also want narrative and stories and underdog stories and, and upsets, and they're <clears> gonna get less and less and less and less and less the more they take clubs like our size. Weapons away from us. It's there's just, a reason. I, there's a reason why they they still talk about Hereford beating Newcastle and Sutton beating Coventry and exactly. Wrexham beating Arsenal and yeah. all, all those all those cup shocks, the minnows against the big boys. There's a reason they're still talked about and still shown yeah. as highlight reels on Match of the Day and things like that. No one's give going to give a fuck in ten years' time that Tottenham scored two goals in the 108th and 112th minute. No, exactly. They, they're not going to. But if we'd have beat them there at their ground. That would have been something that would have been talked about for a long period of time. It just, it, yeah. But yeah, we, we talked about it before you came on, Ian. I, I touched on it. What this what this Premier League season is doing to me is just highlighting even more that I don't really think I'm a big fan of football. I'm a massive Sheffield United fan, and I love watching Sheffield United. 
John was talking about Onana making a mistake tonight, and I haven't seen it, and I don't care. I've not watched any. I don't watch anybody else, and it's putting me off it even more because it's just not the sport that I grew up loving anymore. It, it's so artificial. It, it's shit. But this is the point with with, with your both yours and Dan points about cup shocks and how great they are. Our generation think it was great. Because we remember when that was a rarity and it was a big thing and it had TV coverage. The Premier League don't want that. They want this sanitised product that people over the world watch who don't really give a fuck about growing up supporting those teams or shocks. They don't want another Leicester winning the Premier League. Definitely not. No. They don't want it. I said that in our WhatsApp group the other day. Leicester winning the Premier League's uh, sped this put this up as a process because they don't want to yeah. shit like that happening again. No, it's bad, bad for the brand. But the fact is as well, like if you even go on to like Sky, they actually put on now a fucking hour program about who to pick in your fantasy fucking football team, and you've got some like students there. No disrespect to students. Going, oh yeah, well, the next three game weeks, Spurs have got the potential for about an average Spurs player will have like potential's got about 25 points. It's a three week cycle. You should really cycle in on with your transfers. What the fuck is that all about? Why is that on telly? Where's some decent analysis? Where's like, like you say, where are the narratives? Where's like a show actually discussing? Okay, so now the squads are fully assembled. Is there anyone that you like? Who do you think are the genuine, like, interesting signings? Or tactically, in these first, like, month or so, has anyone impressed you? And if they have, why? Or, like, you know, genuinely, genuine insight. And then you even get to match of the day. And Brighton win 3-1 at Man U, which, let's be honest, isn't that big a deal anymore. I think they've won three out of the last... No, four out of the last five times they've played them, or something daft like that. But the point is, like, that... Is old Brighton a great? Oh yeah, I don't know how to keep doing it. Forty million their team, just like super fit, like superficial analysis. And rather than actually praising Brighton, all they do is talk about how Ten Hag's had a difficult week because Sancho's pissed off and pinned a tweet to his profile. It's a real, is it? There's like such a lack of authenticity and passion to it, like the product at this level. I I think. You know, but, yeah, the, pro- the, the problem is though for for clubs that well, no. the problem is for clubs our size, it's like we're stuck in a flowchart with an infinite loop, because you kind of you're in the championship and your aim is to get out of the championship. So you get into the Premier Premiership and you realise you don't really like it. You get relegated down to the championship and instantly you want to get promoted again. You want to have that promotion season. So you're just stuck in a loop of good season, shit season, good season, good season, shit season. It, it's not even that you want to go back up. You have to. Financially. You have to yeah, 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 you're right. You have to go back up. Financially, you have to go back up. Yeah. I mean, I think I wouldn't say I'm not a football fan, but I think I'm increasingly frustrated by by the by like the nonsense and how it always has to change and stuff. And it you know, it was only it's only a matter of time. Till we have an absolute stinking VAR decision in the next couple of weeks to just really hammer home how 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 this levels just I don't know. Well, maybe it's just not for us. Again, that's something else. That's something else that 
is more likely to favour the big teams because the big teams are going to spend more time in the penalty area, in the attacking penalty area, the attacking third. So they're more likely to get decisions that before the ref might have missed. You, you don't, you, you know, you, you don't get that situation where a, a small team is going to get a dodgy penalty in the last minute to win a game because it'll get overturned. Or a big it's team is going to have a penalty shout turned down in the last minute to, to, to lose 1-0 because, again, the ref will check it and, oh, yeah, it was a penalty. There you go. There's your point or there's your three points. It's mm. just, it's, it's so heavily weighted towards the big clubs these days. It's it's ridiculous. And something that's been missed, though, Dan. It could be something that was all something and nothing, but they'll take it to the nth degree of the interpretation of the law yeah. to apply it. And we've seen the decisions. I mean, the, I saw a clip of the penalty Barcelona got against Dortmund last night. It's a joke. And and it can't be can't be justified. And like, you know, West Ham but Luton had a penalty shout against West Ham a couple of weeks ago in injury time. If that's in, if that's a West Ham uh if that's if that's West Ham attacking, that's a penalty. I guarantee it. That's the consistency one, isn't it? It's it, I, I saw I saw um the Arsenal Everton game the other day, four minutes injury time. Yeah. In the second half. I'm sorry, but it just doesn't stack up. It doesn't stack up that it's one team one it? team's got yeah. Fifteen minutes extra we played against Spurs, or albeit there were two goals in the red card in that extra time. But four minutes. I'm but sorry, we've, we've it just all, doesn't make sense. We've all been watching football roughly the same sort of, you know, the same length of time, between kind of thirty and forty years. In all the time I've watched football, the only time you've ever seen a game with like Pretty much over over six or seven minutes injury time, anything above six or seven minutes, there's been a serious incident. You know, someone's broken a leg or, or, or you know, the, the stretch has been on and stuff like that. Most of the time, anything more than four or five minutes and you're like, where the fuck's he got that from? Yeah. I, know I understand. I do understand that there's going to be more extra time this year. and I, I, Injury time, sorry. And I'm, I don't like it, but, but I get it. So then to have a team only get four minutes. But the disparity between four and 15 minutes is... Makes no sense. Didn't they take 40 seconds to take a corner, Arsenal? I think Apparently I saw a clip. So, yeah. Well, it's a 30... It's a 30... Well, two two things quickly, because we're running out of time before we do with this part and we're just all getting very angry. But, like, the first one, however you look at it, 15 minutes is a third of a half of football. That is mad. It's yeah. a third of a half of football. And you know they've got this time-wasting thing completely wrong and how it, it obviously didn't impact them. But like when Tommy Asu got sent off for Arsenal and he'd not actually done any of the time-wasting, Havertz had been fanning around with the ball for 45 seconds and then gave it to Tommy Asu, who had it about eight seconds, and the ref booked him. And then he ended up getting sent off. It's just... Like I don't know, like the refs, the refs that the are not not miles better in the Premier League than they are in the Championship. They're all a big fucking sack of cunts, and I hate them all nearly as much as the plastic shitty supporters. Anyway, as one of my Wednesday friends said to me this week when I texted him saying I prefer the Championship, they he replied saying, "Well, we were saying." John, that is the best anecdote you've ever told. That is fucking once in a lifetime, mate. I'm so glad we didn't miss that. 
Yeah, well, how can they hear it, Ian? I, I would suggest sign up uh, to our Patreon account where you can get exclusive access to John's anecdotes. Yeah, 180... I can't even... 1,000? I can't say 889 it. 889 subscribers away from 1,889 subscribers. That's us. Yeah. We, yeah. Anyway, Jesus. So uh, we got a bit upset, but thankfully we've got one of football's uh, modern uh, rags to riches stories coming to the lane on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Who said the beautiful game's not dead? Uh, as Newcastle rolled into town, I think the only one place to start this with you, Dan, I think. Yeah, I mean, my favourite, Eddie Howe. I'm struggling to put into words how much I dislike him. And he's, he's like media darling. Eddie Howe's done a fantastic job everywhere he's been. Brackets, spent a fucking shitload everywhere he's been. Um, that never seems to get mentioned, does it? I mean, bright. Um, sorry, Bournemouth spent money like they were going, like it were going out of fashion, didn't they? But he but, doesn't have to answer any questions about where the money comes from because he's only there to talk about the football. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so he's had. So in, in his career, he's had. Wasn't it, wasn't it like a Russian a Russian oligarch that owned uh, owned Bournemouth? Yep. Yep. And, and now he's got. And now he's he's uh, he's backed by Saudi blood money. Sorry, the only time the only time he Sorry, didn't have money to spend, he lasted three weeks. He didn't like it in Burnley though, because he couldn't like you know go down old bar one and order a lager top. Imagine going out with him and Jason Tindall. Probably send through a conversation in uh, like conversation ahead of the night out. These are the topics we'd like to discuss in the pub tonight. So that's <laughs> fucking dull. Yeah, I, I I got the feeling when I saw him the other week as the northeast celebrity in inverted brackets starting the Great North Run. Yeah, I bet Dan, well, I bet Dan sat there at home wishing it was starting with a starter's pistol. He had a <laughs> shocking accident. <laughs> it was a captain. You yeah, just saw him starting Great North Run. I, I couldn't kind of get my head around that. He's not like a famous son of the northeast, you know, is he? He's, I, I, yeah, I, I was baffled by that. He's to the city now, though. Yeah, he can do what he wants up there. Back in the big time. Uh, should we talk? We should talk about football a bit and um, Newcastle. I mean, I said at the beginning of the season that one opportunity we're going to have to pick up points is when we play teams who've had awkward games in Europe the week before. Um, it's a shame they weren't playing tonight in Milan. Yeah. Uh, to make them really fatigued, but that will Newcastle, although they've got a very expensively assembled and talented squad, is not as deep as what you'd call the traditional big six squad. They're still sort of in the in the in the development phase of that. I mean, Dan Burns still playing left back, just because it's what it, it's pretty much the complete other side of the country to where Adkins is at Tranmere. So we should say. <laughs> It's interesting you talk about Newcastle at Milan last night, putting in a, a very defensive performance against a team better than them. I wonder yeah. if we do that on Sunday, whether they, their fans are moaning about it. Well, that's the, this, uh, that, that's the different narrative, isn't it? Because, you know, Eddie Howe wouldn't send his team out to waste time. 
They might not be yet because they're probably not in that kind of top six bubble just as yet because they've had a few seasons where they've obviously been down at Championship and battling against relegation. But fast forward four or five years when they've consistently spent billions. Um, yes, I would imagine they, will, they would be. It's in, you talk about that depth of squad. If you look at that team they put out last night, yeah, it's a good starting eleven. But beyond that, on the bench, you're not looking, you know, Harvey Barnes, Almiron and Wilson. So, yeah, three three good bench, you know, good players there. But That's beyond the that, bench. you're into, you're into kids. <laughs> what? That's their bench. Jesus. <laughs> but I know, I know it's obviously better. But then, you, but beyond that... As is, to... Asula, Benny Traore and Ben Osborne. <laughs> Also, I saw on Instagram Ben Osborne's back on the grass. He's doing some coaching with his academy thing, so he's obviously well enough to do that. Right. Yeah, must, and, and to do that, he must be demonstrating chasing someone around a pitch. So it, it must be reasonably fit. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> I'm just laughing. At I'm saying great in the midst of all that. <laughs> no, um, I, the thing is. Like, although, yeah, seeing Callum Wilson, Almiron, and who was the other one he mentioned? Harvey Barnes. Barnes. Only, probably only a market value of 140 to 160 million, something no, like it's that. It's not misappropriating my point. <laughs> my point being is, it's not like they've got this massive depth of subs, is what I'm trying to say. Just three game changers who all can score goals and quite elite players. But apart from that... <laughs> to, to be fair, though, to be fair, I I made the original point and you did back me up and then I've gone after you, so that's really unkind. But, yeah, I think you, if we were going into Sunday with McBurney and we'd not lost in such, like, devastating fashion at the weekend, I'd fancy us to get something to maybe even win this game. I think we'll get a point on Sunday. I think it'll be a battling point, Um I think Newcastle can be got at this season. I think it, it, it's shown a few times. We'll have to ride as luck. But I, like, you know, playing playing in the Champions League and then going back to play the weekend after, it's the biggest, like, transition clubs, when they start doing it, struggle with. Uh, and we hopefully have to try and take advantage. I mean, hopefully the way we lost on Sunday, we'll... It'll because it could go one or two ways. It could absolutely knock the stuffing out of the players, and, and we could go it's a slump. Hopefully, and looking at this squad, there seems to be a fair bit of of kind of mental resilience in them and, and um, a good team spirit. So hopefully, we'll go the other way, and it'll galvanise them into right. You know, we, we need to do something here. We need to kind of not right this wrong, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I think a big part of that's going to be the manager. Um, as much as we all loved Wilder and we might want to talk about him later in the pod with the rumours from Saturday, but after something like Saturday happened, certainly in the second Premier League season, that's when you started seeing the cracks with Wilder yeah. and, and chucking toys out of pram and, and being quite spiky in interviews and things like that. And I don't think you'll get that with, with Heckingbottom. I think he's quite levelled. Even with his rant, if you want to call it that on Saturday, he was quite level-headed and, and measured with what he was saying. And I think he'll do that with the players as well. And you're right. I think we have got a bit of a steal to us. We have done for a while, in fairness, had that bit of steal to us as players. Yeah. And missing McBurney is just a big, it's a big shame, really. Because It is, yeah. It's, I mean, again, like, so 
I'm, I'm not. I've not been a massive McBurney fan since he's been here, but he's been good this season, and, and it is a massive, massive miss on Saturday. It's, yeah, we're, talk, we're talking earlier, obviously in part one before we before we got into the the Premier League ish shit ongoing discussion about who 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 you ring in for McBurney. Are you all of a view then that it's McAtee in a more advanced role? I think it has to be. Yeah. There's not really an option, is there? He's not gonna I can't see him putting Traore up there and starting him. I can't see him putting a Sula up there. I would imagine it it'll be one of like Norwood or Davis that comes into the midfield and, and McAtee will get like I said pushed up and play off Archer. I would imagine that's that's the way he'll go. I mean a Sula may not be fit anyway. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. wasn't wasn't on the bench at the weekend. I suppose the other thing with with that is Davies got forty five minutes for the under twenty ones yesterday, so he's and that that was a planned forty five minutes and a sub. Yeah. So whether that's with them a view to at least him starting on Saturday in mind and then getting hooked, maybe forty five or an hour. The, the, the other one, have... the other one that's pushing for a um, for a start who seems to be doing well in the in the under twenty ones is uh, Slamani. Slamani, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, what a couple of goals mm. he scored in the last last week. Imagine goal, scoring goals for fun at under twenty one level. He could uh, he could spring a surprise and throw the the new giant Scottish lad in one 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 whatever his name is. Because you know just, what, it wouldn't surprise me if he's on the bench before long. He looked well when when we signed him. I had a quick look um, on the we signed him from Hamilton Ackies, didn't we? I had a look on the Twitter when they when they sold him. And the United fan, I think, asked what he's like. And one of these Hamilton Aki fans said, he'll be in your first team a lot you know, a lot sooner than you're expecting. I don't know really much about him, but he looks enormous. He looks fucking huge. He looks and, and, enormous. He looked for, like a dad playing in, it looked like a dad playing in like an under nines game the other day. It, but but he's not got a bad touch for a big man, as the cliche says. There that finish was that right. finish was you don't you don't teach that, do you? No. All, all for it. We've not had a strike come through for ages since Ironside. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I played at Donny now, isn't he? With, uh... No, I think he, I think he, he will. scored last night, who you were going to say. Playing with Donny last night, he scored last night. First start, first goal. Yeah. Happy days. Okay. Bring them on! We've got a we've got a potentially great side for the championship promotion push next the promotion season. campaign next season. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. get back up to the Premier League where we don't Yay. want to be. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah. No, but su- Sunday is like it is an opportunity, and then unfortunately, we have got a lot. There's no easy games at this level, uh, but like we do have like some like a tough trip to West Ham. Slightly more appealing trip to Fulham, but if we were able to get something on the board on 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 the weekend, still not being in the bottom three, have we? So keep no. uh, keep the goal difference, uh, keep the goal difference low, and hang on in there till all the players get fit. Interesting. That's the other thing. We're not getting we're not getting hammered, are we? And it feels no. different to last time we were up here. We didn't even in the second season when we were awful. We didn't get that many hammerings, but that was more. Teams realizing that once they scored one, we were never ever going to score, and they could basically play the rest of the game in third gear. 
No, that, um, that's another positive, I think, about us this season. We are competitive. Yeah, we are. We've been we're not as good game. as the teams yeah. we're playing against. Clearly, we're not. and We're not going to be. But we can compete. And, and probably with the exception of Palace, on first game of the season, the teams that have beaten us have all had to work to beat us. Mm. Palace didn't. Palace, Palace pretty much cruised to that 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 win on on first game of the season. That and that was very much like last season. The second they went one 0 up, that was pretty much it, really. Um, whereas everyone else, we've been in the game and, and they've had to work hard to to get something out of us. So, and you compare and contrast that to Burnley, who've come up and stuck to the principles and have been bummed a couple of times already. The the interesting thing, including by Spurs on their own patch, yeah. The, the thing I can't see at the minute because I've had to dial in on my phone um, on Twitter is that, again, we've mentioned it the, the, the other 14 Twitter feed. Yeah. XV posted something about how they've, they've got this kind of scoring where if you're playing one of the other 14 at home, you, you've got to get to 39 points, basically. You start at zero and you get plus points for, you know, a small amount of plus points for winning your home games against the other 14. You get big points if you win away from home against the other 14. So they're saying you've got 13 home games you can win to get 39 yeah. points because you beat the teams around you. But then you've got bonus points if you get away wins. If you lose at home, you get minus points. And obviously at the minute, we're bottom of that. that was, I thought that was quite interesting because that's trying to reflect the weighting of the teams you're playing so far. Okay, so yeah. I read that and it, and it depressed me because I actually, <laughs> like I said, we're losing games by the odd goal. You think that's good for goal difference. We're in games. But it comes back to that, and I suppose it reiterates that point about having these winnable games up front that we've we've not got anything from, or a point from Everton. Uh, What's that based on, though, not the 14? Because obviously it's um, there's a top six that that's included, right? Yeah. So, okay, they're not in the top six. But right now we've lost to Palace, they're ninth, Forest, they're eighth, City, they're top, Spurs, they're second. It's not like we've lost to, or I still think we should have beaten Everton, but we haven't played anybody other than Everton in the bottom half of the league. No. And all right, it's only five games in, but. Yeah. And it comes back, he's not waiting. He's just saying they're the other 13 yeah. teams to take points off. So I thought it was interesting. It'd be something interesting to watch because over the season that'll just ebb and flow as well. Sorry, I've just put a really depressing slant on when we were talking. No, it's not. It's just a different way of looking at it, isn't it? It's interesting. Yeah. It's not been one of our more upbeat pods, let's be fair, even before that, has it? So, No, but I think... We're already known as being doom mongers. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I think only doom mongers because we're talking sense. It's not... I don't know. I think if you're not careful, you can... It can sit like I don't want us to be just along for the ride. I want us to be competitive games, and I want us to win. I don't, you know, I've been like been to all these like grounds and stuff before, and seeing the shiny lights. Want to see us like win some football matches soon because that's what it's about. Like being a fan is winning, losing, you know, kicking every ball, but like not just. Be, I'm not just content to make up the numbers, and I, and, and I, be, I truly believe that's not hecking bottom style either, and that's why any, I suppose it's a good way to segue. Any of those, like a load of my mates who aren't United fans, were texting me as soon as that story about Wilder broke on Saturday night. Hecky does not deserve that, and it's not happening. I can't see it happening personally, but 
Not that surely not. Surely. I mean, that, I, I don't see as as good as Wilder was for us. And he was fantastic, and he's you know he's probably up there top two or three blades managers in my life. I don't see what he does differently to make a significant difference with the side that we have. I, I don't. Uh, he just he wouldn't. No. I think not taking away from the fact that Heckingbottom deserves this chance. He wouldn't do anything any different no. or better. Uh, I, it smacks to me, and I think we've talked about this before. There's somebody at the club feeding stories because it's the mail every time. There were the players' bonuses back end of last season. The mail broke it as a story, and then had to write an apology that was a pathetic one-liner at the bottom of an article. Yeah, this has been broken to the mail. And it just, I don't know, it just makes you wonder if there's somebody at the club feeding them shit. And that's what, what it is. End, shit, what it? end? It could be somebody that's got a, you don't know, dear. it could be somebody that's got a grudge against somebody there or, I don't know, ex-players causing trouble or something. I don't know, it could be anything, couldn't it? Yeah. The thing is, we don't need that, do we? We don't need it. This season is going to be tough enough as it is without bullshit like that circulating around around Eckingbottom's job. You know, he needs to be able to just get on with probably the second toughest job in the division with a clear head and, and no, no fucking detritus around it. I loved United's tweet the other day after because it, it was his 100th game the other day. And United tweeted along the lines of, uh, with 51% win record, it's the best United manager record in the top two divisions of any manager that's managed 100 games or more. Yeah. Almost like blowing yeah. smoke up his arse and nipping yeah. that in the bud. I think we all agree it's bollocks, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, somebody will have potentially got wind of the fact that the Prince said that he'd, he'd had a chat with him at some point, didn't he? And then put two and two together and come up with something stupid. There's no like, it's not as well like this. This is the other sort of like, is it? We're in the Chef United echo chamber, aren't we? We anyone like to anyone outside the club, they might think this is nonsense. But all I, there is no clamouring for him to go, apart from like some fucking dickhead saying, "Oh, he's." He needs to be better with his subs. All right, yeah, because Wilder was notoriously great with his. Like people, the, there's not like a oh yeah, it might be worth rolling the dice on a change. And even if it was, it'd have to be to something completely different. Someone who's going to come in, play a completely new system, and try something different. Wilder would play the exact same formation with very similar players and probably get similar, if not worse, results. Yeah. Agreed. No, I agree. It's um, yeah, it's it's silly, and it's not either. And, and as I say, luckily, I think ninety nine point nine percent of the responses I saw to it on Twitter were, you know, just laughing at it and and saying no chance. You know, it's not even it's not even a thing. Eckingbottom's job shouldn't even be considered as being under threat. So that 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 if that's a if that's a, a kind of good cross-section of the fans and representative of how everyone's feeling, then that hopefully means that 99.9% of the fans are behind him. Which I think they are. Yeah, I agree. 100%. So, 
behind him on Sunday afternoon, what's going to happen in the game? Any bold predictions? I'm going to say, I'll kick us off. I think we get a score draw out of the game. I, I fancy us to get something out of this one. I think it's going to be really tough. Uh, but I'm hoping opt- moderately optimistic. My All my vitriol this evening has not been directed at United and the players. It's just at the establishment, which is often what I'm whinging about anyway. <laughs> I, I'm going to go for a United win. I think, I think we'll concede, but I think they'll surprise a few people on sun, on Sunday. I think we'll win. Two well, one. I hope I'm one of them because I'm going for a narrow defeat. Unfortunately, I'm going for two one Newcastle. And I'm with Phil. I think we might surprise people. I think we might get a reaction. And I felt a bit more confident about it with McBurney, but two one United. Well, happy days. So well, I hope you're right. I hope yeah, I'm wrong. Be if it happens. <laughs> It's trying to build some of my joy about football back by going positively to the match on Sunday, just <laughs> to torn apart an hour and 15 minutes, sorry, an hour and 55 minutes later, whatever we end up playing. That depends if we're winning going into the 90th minute or not. <laughs> yeah, Eddie and, Eddie and Jason will be uh, hopefully not wanting to go to all bar one on Sunday night for their lager top. Few any any other predictions by the way on like what sort of boring behaviour Jason Tyndall and Eddie Howe do? I reckon Jason Tyndall checks his missus at WhatsApp messages when she goes to the toilet. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm glad enough. you give us some time to think about this one, John. Just putting it out there, like <laughs> definitely does that. Order lager tops, but Peroni has to be Peroni. Um, sometimes. Sometimes we'll even order a shandy at the bar, but tell the bartender to make it look like a pint. Um, goes for regular pedicures. This is all Tyndall. How's not even worth my dress. I really dislike him. They're a right set of twats. Um, yeah, sorry. Just feeling a bit silly. Shall I tell that <laughs> one out? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll finish it now. So we got cut off because we don't pay for Zoom anymore because Cosy lives in it. Um but like, lives because he lives. <laughs> That's that sounds like it should be some sort of exclamation about a former player, doesn't it? Because he lives to tell the tale. So no, basically, I'm just bit texting my mate saying, yeah, it's much better in the championship, uh, and it, it gave me quite a little bit of um, a, a warm feeling inside when he replied saying that him and. Some other pigs at the match on Saturday had said to each other, yeah, we were saying the same about League One. So however annoying it is in the top flight, you could be listening to the thong song at Hillsborough. Uh, so there you go. Zisco reference anyone? No? no? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yep. Just didn't find it funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's a oh. minute. I forgot what you were called to be honest. I've got that, that little interest in what they're doing. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I hopefully... tell you what, there were more tennis balls at Wimbledon than were on the pitch at Hillsborough last night. They can't even do a protest very well, can they? I'd heard about it. So this wasn't like a full uh, full size like commentary the other commentary way the other year when they were 
absolutely thousands of them on the pitch. This there was were like... that few tennis balls. There were more stewards there to pick them up than were actually on the ground. <laughs> One of them had to walk up without picking a tennis ball up. <laughs> I mean, how can they afford tennis balls when it costs about £5,000 for a season ticket or whatever it is? I mean... I think we found they can't afford them and Chancery had bought the entire stock in South Yorkshire up before him. He'll have the last laugh. Maybe there'll be a to and fro between Decathlon and him in the in the press, like the uh, <laughs> the tete-a-tete <laughs> with Darren Moore. Oh, gotta love him. He's honestly like I think you. Uh, he, he, I sent that article that he put out. Phil, you just went. He's brilliant, isn't he? <laughs> I I personally do feel like he is a gift that keeps on giving. Um, oh, is it Ian that said? Wouldn't it? It just reminds you that there's a club worse run than us in Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> very welcome but obviously need to get behind the lads on Sunday and hopefully they can I think we'll all feel very differently when there's that win on the board and if it could come against any yeah. Newcastle I think that would be great I'm all for make it make it clear that anyone who's actually got to the end of this interesting podcast um, that I don't think any of us are slagging any of the players and the manager off it's just the horrendous reality of being in the Premier League sometimes. It really just does make football a little uncomfortable to watch and live in the week, if you will. But we'll all be behind him on Sunday, and so should you. And there's only one thing to say there, I think. Hold the blades. Hold the blades. Hold the bloody blades.